0: I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. The word grace basically means unmerited favor or unmerited kindness. And God has poured out his kindness on us when he went to the cross and he died for us. And I'm just so thankful for the grace and mercy of Jesus that is poured out on us every single day. Day Over the last four, three weeks, and this is going to be the fourth week, our final week, we've been going through a series called The Cup, And it's all about uh, the, the night that Jesus was betrayed. Uh, Jesus ate what they call the Last Supper with his disciples. And then he went into the Garden of Gethsemane or the Olive Grove when he prayed. And then he was arrested. And then he was sentenced to death and he was put to death. And uh, we've talked about this uh, series about how Jesus at the Last Supper put down the cup of wine and he says, I'm not going to drink this cup again until I'm in the new kingdom of, uh, of of God. And then we talked about the cup of pressure when Jesus was praying and the pressure on him was so great. Last week, we talked about the cup of humiliation. And, and, and if you're going through moments of humiliation in your life, then the solution is to walk in humility. And uh, today we're going to talk about the cup of suffering. Um, this week, uh, we got news that uh, one of our uh, families in, in, in our church, uh, um, Jim and Jenny Anderson. Jim plays uh, um, electric guitar for us. And Jenny's one uh, uh, one of our coordinators over in the kids area. Her father had, had passed away this week. And her hearts had gone out to, to, to them because we had prayed for her father for a while. If you'd been a small group with her or got to know them, you would probably have been asked to pray for her father. Her father had gone through a long uh, uh, a battle with cancer. And we thought everything was getting better, but obviously it wasn't. And he passed away. And uh, I think the uh, funeral is on Tuesday down in the southern part of, of, of Maryland. But anyone who's gone through something like cancer, they know what suffering is. They know what suffering because they have to suffer through it. They suffer through the pain and, and what it does to their body and their life and suffer maybe the outcome of what, what is going to happen. So I'm not going to pretend this morning that I really know what suffering is compared to someone who has gone through something as horrific as cancer. But I wonder this morning, have you ever suffered? Have you ever suffered? Have you ever suffered in a way so much that you have longed and prayed for something to stop? That you, you just want to get over it, get past it. You've suffered. And like I said, I've never really suffered like someone who has maybe dealt with cancer before. But I've dealt with my own suffering. And uh, sometimes my, my own suffering, it feels like the end of the world. I remember the first time I ever experienced excruciating pain, I thought nobody else could experience the pain like it. I was 16 years old, and uh, I was in youth group, and one of our youth leaders had one of those old VW vans. You remember those, those hippie vans? And he was like a surfer kind of guy. And we were in the back, and we, we were going to someone's house, and we got out, and as I got out, I put my hand on the, uh, it was like the sliding doors. Um, and so I, I put my hand on on, uh, 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 on just the frame of the door. And as I did that, one of the uh, other youth members, his name was Richard Ulmer. He was always clumsy. If something was going to break, he would be the one who did it. As I put my hand there, he slammed the door shut right on my third finger. And it went right in the door and I couldn't get out. I let out a scream like, ah! And, and I don't like to use this word, but the idiots decided, let's try, instead of opening the door, to pull Alex's finger out of the door. So he starts to pull my finger out, and I'm in so much pain, and one of these leaders, no, open the door, there's blood everywhere, we go in, and... And we fixed my finger. The next day, I go home. My dad's like, we got to go to the emergency room. So I went to the emergency room. I found out that my finger had been dislocated. And they had to put my finger back in, in position and then sew it up and, and everything. Because the guy tried to pull the finger. I thought you could never experience pain like a dislocated finger that night. But then at the age of 22, I was out on the soccer field and it was one cold night and the ball was, was coming. I went in to tackle the ball and one of the players from the opposing team decided he didn't want to tackle the ball. He wanted to tackle Alex's leg and so he jumped in two-footed on my leg and the whole field heard this and my leg split in two. And I laid out this ah scream. And uh, I'd broken my leg, and my team didn't take me to the hospital right away. They sat me on the sidelines while the game finished. Then they took me to the hospital, but I'd never experienced pain like it. It was so much pain that night. I lay in a hospital bed, and I was totally high on morphine because the pain was so bad. I thought you could never experience pain like a broken leg until the year 2013 came. It was July 2013. We were trying to get into this building and I had an appointment with BGE that day, trying to get electricity into this place. And I woke up that morning with a little pain in my back. By nine o'clock, I was in the emergency room for I had kidney stones. And if you've ever experienced kidney stones... You know what pain is like. It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. I suffered for about two hours before they, they, they put some painkillers into me. i had never experienced pain like it. And eventually that day when that thing passed, I looked at the size of it and I could not believe how such a small, small, small little thing could cause so much pain. No one can ever experience pain like a kidney stone. So if you are a woman here today, you're like, that's nothing compared to childbirth. I'm so glad I'm a guy because I do not want to put up with that pain because I don't take pain very well at all. But each time I've suffered through and suffered through the pain, I thought it could never get any worse. But many of you, you've suffered a lot worse and things like that. There's ways that you can suffer. You have suffered through pain. You suffer through hardship. You suffer through incidences in your life. Now, the word suffering means to be in a state of ongoing pain, distress, or hardship. And many people, they suffer pain every single day. Many people, they suffer physical pain every day. They wake up, and they are in pain. They go to bed, and they are in pain. Other people, they are suffering through emotional pain. They're suffering through pain of, uh, of things that have happened in their past that keep coming up every single day. And then there are people who are in distress. And there are those who suffer distress. And they are in distress because they have fears and anxieties for tomorrow. They are in distress because maybe their dreams and their passions for life were fading away and they got broken. That They're in distress because emotionally they're just not able to cope with situations that come along and they suffer distress. But then there are those who suffer hardship, those who can't make ends meet, those who maybe are in a financial pickle and what's going out is more than what's coming in and they are in hardship. There are people in this world and there is so much hardship that they can't even get enough Provision to eat for the day, or there are those who are in hardship because of the injustices of this life. Suffering, suffering through pain, distress, and hardship. Now, to suffer is a terrible thing, whether you don't have enough to eat or whether you just have constant back pain. Life is not easy when suffering is felt. Suffering is not just for the poor either, because often we think, oh, it's the poor or the needy who suffer, the rich can suffer as well. It's not just felt by those who are persecuted. Suffering is also felt by those who are free. It's not just felt by those who life has dealt a bad hand. Suffering can also be experienced by those that we would call fortunate. Even God knows what it means to suffer. Jesus prayed this prayer that's found in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. As he was in the olive grove, the night he was betrayed and arrested, he as he started to pray, Jesus prayed this prayer. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You see, Jesus knew What was coming? Jesus was in that moment of distress when he was praying and he was suffering in distress. But Jesus knew what was coming. As he prayed, he knew that he would have to go through the pain of being beaten and whipped and dying on the cross. He knew he would have to go through the hardship of injustice and being arrested and sentenced to death, even though he was innocent. Jesus knew what it meant to suffer. Now, nobody likes to suffer. And just because Jesus was Jesus, it doesn't mean it was any easier for him. So often we think, well, it was Jesus. He was God. He could tell, he knew what was going to happen in the future. It was okay for him. No, when you suffer, it hurts. And Jesus was a human just like us in the fact that he dealt with suffering just the same that we do. In fact, Jesus is suffering was probably even worse than our suffering. The Bible tells us that Jesus became sin for us. He who was without sin became sin for us. He took on the weight of the world on his shoulders as he suffered. He suffered so much that the Bible says that his face was almost unrecognizable. Jesus knew what it was to suffer. And so I want us to open our Bibles. If you have your Bibles today, if not, they'll be on the screen. I want us to open to Luke chapter 23 and start reading at verse 26. Luke 23, and we're going to start reading at verse 26. So at this moment, Jesus has been arrested. Jesus has been sentenced to death. Last week, we talked about how the crowd was saying, crucify him, crucify him. And now he's been sent to die on a cross. And this is what Luke says. As they led Jesus away, A man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Then it says this in verse 12. Two others, both criminals, were led away to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull or called Golgotha, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on the right and one on the left. So Jesus had to suffer the death of dying on a cross. It was the Roman, the popular Roman way of dying or being crucified or or, or being put to death in those days. Jesus suffered this death. Now, The fact that Jesus died on the cross was not anything new. It wasn't special to Jesus. We just think that Jesus sometimes was the only one who ever died on a cross. He wasn't. Lots of people suffered death on a cross. It's the same in life. Lots of people deal with suffering. Just because Jesus was put to death does not mean anyone else has not been put to death. See, suffering is part of life. In fact, we have been suffering ever since the day that Adam decided to take a bite out of that forbidden fruit. It's not that Jesus is suffering that he experienced suffering that made him so unique. In fact, one of the, my favorite places in Washington, D.C. is a place that I like to go to, but I have to prepare myself to go. And I have to like prepare my mind, I have to prepare my thoughts. And as I walk into this place... And when I walk out, it's not like we can just go, hey, what's next? It's like you have to really think through this place. For one of my favorite places in Washington, D.C. to go visit is the Holocaust Museum. So you go in there, and it's not like you can just go in like some of the other museums, you know, just sup on a soda and, you know, drink some, eat some chips while you're walking along. Oh, that's nice. This is nice. It's like all-consuming. You go into this place, and you start to read the horror stories, and you see videos, and you see things of of what happened during the Holocaust to the Jewish people in Nazi Germany, and it is horrifying. And you go through, and you start to hear the suffering that these people went through, and it's almost oppressive. Like you come out and it's like you need to breathe again because it's, it's so intense. And you look back at the Holocaust and people suffered terribly. So suffering is not unique to Jesus. But there is a difference about Jesus. When Jesus suffered, there is a difference, for it is how Jesus responded to suffering that made Jesus so unique. When we go through pain, or when I go through pain, I don't know about you, but when I go through pain, distress, or hardship, the first and often, very often, the only thoughts I have is of myself. If you're like me, you focus on your own pain. You start to pray, and your prayers become about relief from that pain. Now, there are people in life that are very vocal about their suffering. There are some people in life, you look at their social media feed, and they are telling the world about their suffering and their pain that they are going through. They don't have any shame in telling people exactly what they are going through at all. Then there are other people who go through pain and suffering, and they become very reclusive. Uh, and, and, they, and they retreat in seclusion to try to cope with the pain as they quietly cope themselves with the pain. But the problem for most people is that their approach to pain and suffering makes them become very inward. We start to focus on ourselves, focus on our needs, focus on the pain that we're going through. And when our focus becomes too inward, it can take our focus off what is important and away from the purpose of life. And that's often the problem with suffering and pain. It's not that we're going through the pain. It starts to take our focus away from what's really important because we focus so much on ourselves. But what if I was to tell you there is another way? The Jesus way. A Jesus way to deal with pain and suffering. And this is the Jesus way. The Jesus way is not to focus on one's own current suffering, but in fact to help others find relief from their suffering. i say that again because it's a really unique principle, but it's almost impossible to put into action. The Jesus way is not to focus on one's own current suffering, but it is in fact to help others find relief from their suffering. This is a lesson I had to learn very quickly as a pastor. Because our natural thing in life is we want everybody else to help us. So when we're going through stuff in our lives, we we want people to help us. And so everything focuses around us and we become inward in our approach and everything, everyone else has to come and help us. But the problem is, as a pastor, everyone wants you to help them. And so often you're thinking, why aren't they helping me? Why do I have to help them? But this is a great lesson, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a business owner, whether you are Just someone who occupies a cubicle, whether you are a mother or a father, whether you're a husband or wife, whether you're a factory worker, or whether you work out in the fields, or you're a pastor. This is a great lesson because you want everyone else to help you, but in truth, the solution to suffering is to help other people. It's a lonely place, but it's a fruitful place. So let's take a look very quickly today. About how Jesus did this. How did Jesus focus on others when he was going through suffering himself? And the first thing is this. Jesus prayed for others. Jesus prayed for others. This so is what Luke chapter 23, we're going to start reading at verse 34 says. Jesus said, as he hung on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others. They said, let him, say, let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews while everyone else was mocking Jesus and saying, if you really are God, then let yourself down. Jesus hung on the cross and his thoughts went out towards others. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Let's be honest. When you go through suffering, when you go through pain, when you go through distress or hardship, it brings people to their knees. It's not hard to pray when you're going through things in life. When you're going through suffering, it's not hard to pray. In fact, I hear people a lot—people who who don't even know God or people who never pray—and this is often what they say: "Will you say a little prayer for me? I'm going through this situation." Because when we're going through hard times, it's easy to turn to God. It's not hard to pray when you're going through pain. It's easy to look up when you're in distress. However, It almost seems impossible to pray for others when you're going through hardship. And that's the difference between Jesus and so many other people. So many other people, they will pray, God, relieve me of this pain. But this is what Jesus prayed. Not relieve me of this pain. God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus' concern was with other people. Jesus shows us that when you're going through it, the God-centered heart looks to God on behalf of others. This was a gut-wrenching discovery for me. Over the years, the more and more you become more self-aware and you become more aware of your own shortcomings. And I got a couple of questions I want to ask you this morning that, were gut-wrenching for me when I ask myself these questions. And these, this is the first question. Do I love others enough to pray for their answers to, to prayer when I need God to answer my prayer? Do I love others to pray for others for God to answer their prayer when I need God to answer my prayer? And the second gut-wrenching question is this. Is my heart pure enough So that when I do not see my harvest or blessing or answers to prayer, I can still pray for others to receive their harvest, blessing, or answers to prayer. It's gut-wrenching. Do you know why? Because so often the answer is, no, I don't do that. But as Jesus hung on the cross, Jesus' life was in the balance, and he cared more that others would live than what he would live. He cared more for others' hearts than he did at the moment for his own. See, when you're suffering, if you want to go the Jesus way, you pray for others. The second thing that we do after we pray for others is this. Jesus sought to reconcile others to God. Jesus sought to reconcile others to God. That's a little bit of a mouthful, but let me show you. Luke chapter 23, verse 39, it says this. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. There's one truth I have to remind myself daily. Whether life is going good or life is going bad. And this is the truth. This world is not my home. We are on a heavenward journey to our eternal home. This home, this world is not our home. There's lots of things to enjoy about this world. There's lots of things to cry over in this world. But this world is not our home. We are on a heavenward journey to our eternal home. And the reason I have to remind myself daily is this, twofold. The first reason is this. We have a tendency to chase after the temporary things of this life at the sake of not pursuing the permanent things of eternity. So I have to remind myself, when I'm chasing after this and this in this life, this world is not my home. I'm on a journey, a heavenward journey to my eternal home. But secondly, the reason I have to remind myself is this. Because we meet people every single day who are lost on this journey of faith. And they will never find their way to their eternal home unless someone helps them and points them in the right direction. That direction is to Jesus. And Jesus never lost sight of his mission. Jesus' mission was to save and to seek those who were lost and far away from God. I think it's so fitting that one of the last things that Jesus did, as his life hung in the balance, as the breath in his lungs started to go away, one of the last things that Jesus did was to help this one criminal find his way home. Today you will be with me in paradise, Jesus said. Never let your current circumstances Impede you from helping people find Jesus. In fact, your current circumstances may even help people find Jesus. See, this is what so often we become inward, we focus inward and we forget what God is doing around us. And God is bringing us people who we can speak life into and point in the direction of Jesus. Never let your current circumstances impede you from helping people find Jesus. See, Jesus prayed for others. Jesus sought to reconcile others to God. And finally, the last thing that Jesus did in his suffering was this. Jesus cared for others. Jesus cared for others. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 25, 26, and 27. This is what the Apostle John said. Standing near the cross where Jesus were where, Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, and he's referring to himself John, so Mary was standing next to John. He said to her, Jesus said to her, "Dear woman, here is your son." And he said to his disciple, to John, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took Mary into his home. I think this is one of the most powerful exchanges in the Bible. One of the most powerful moments of Jesus' death. There is Jesus hanging his life by a thread. And he looks out and he sees his mother. And standing next to his mother, he sees the disciple John, who later became John the Apostle. In that moment, we're thinking, Jesus Eyes, all eyes should be on you. You should be thinking of yourself, your own body. You're about to die. But in this moment, all Jesus is thinking about is that his mother is cared for. Now, this isn't Jesus trying to tie up loose ends before he passes away. It's not like he's quickly trying to sign his will or or make an estate before he passes away. This is Jesus' heart of servanthood gushing through in the moments that he is about to die. See, Jesus knew he had to die. But Jesus also knew that he was going to rise from the dead. Before he told his disciples, the Son of Man will be put to death and rise up again in three days. So Jesus knew he would rise from the dead. Jesus knew this matter of caring for his mother. After he died, who's going to care for his mother? He knew he could take care of it after. Like when he rose from the dead, he could sort out all the loose ends before he ascended to heaven. But this moment right here is not about timing. This moment is about Jesus' heart to help others. He saw the anguish his mother was in, and he wanted to make sure that his mother was cared for. Now, there are some things about Christianity or Christians that we often see. When we're going through suffering, we don't want to help others. And it's not that we don't have a bad heart, that we have a bad heart and we don't want to help others. It's the fact that we're so consumed with what's going on within us. And in every single church that I've ever been part of, there are three statements I've heard. I've actually probably even said these myself. And these are the statements that I've heard. I heard people say, I can't help right now. Because I can barely keep it together myself. I've heard people say, I can't tithe or give right now because I can't even make ends meet myself. And I've heard people say, I can't serve right now because I need to heal. Very legitimate statements. Like I said, I've probably even said them myself. But this is how I would respond to those statements. I believe healing is found in serving. I believe provision is found in the tithe. You may say, I can't afford to tithe. And I will tell you, I can't afford not to tithe. If you wait until you've got it together you will never be able to help anyone. Just because you may be suffering does not give reason to ignore the needs of others and to serve others. See, the whole thing about discipleship on this journey of faith, on this the thing we call Christianity, is we want to be more like Jesus, right? We're not just in it so we can get a ticket to heaven and that, you know, we can have a nice life and... We want to be more like Jesus. That's the whole point of being a disciple of Jesus. And if we want to be more like Jesus, that means when we're going through suffering, we need to act like Jesus. He prayed for others. He sought to reconcile others to God. And he cared and served others. See, suffering is not only painful and all-consuming. It can also be very disabling as well. It can stop us in our tracks. It can take us off course. However, Jesus shows us a way to navigate suffering, navigate pain, navigate distress, navigate hardship. And that's to look outward, not inward. Not to lick our wounds like a cat, but instead to soothe the wounds of others. Not to worry about gaining peace, in our hearts and control of our own hearts but for God to bring peace to the hearts of those who do not know him i love what proverbs 21:13 says it says those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time see whether life is great All life is bad. It doesn't mean we stop being a servant towards others. It doesn't mean we stop praying for others. It doesn't mean that we stop trying to reconcile others with God and lead people back to Jesus. For suffering is part of this life. But the great news is this, this life is not our home. One day we will be in an eternal home where there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more distress, no more hardship. But while we're here right now, we will go through pain. We will go through suffering. Maybe not like what Jesus went through, but he is the standard bearer who we try to model our lives off. So let us as individuals pray for others, lead others to Jesus and help and serve others. Let's bow our heads in prayer. That's why your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. Maybe you're going through suffering in your life right now. Maybe you're going through some pain or some distress or some hardship. For some, it may be some major suffering. Others, you may think, well, it's just a little bit of suffering, but you're still going through it. And just sometimes the pain of this life can be overbearing, overwhelming. And maybe while you're going through this, you've just been really focusing on yourself, my own pain, relief from my own pain. And that's all very well and good. But let me tell you today, there's a third way. There's another way. It's called the Jesus way. And while you should pray for every need, the Bible tells us to pray for everything. It also means we should also look to others and help others and serve others and pray for others. And those people who do not know Jesus To help them try to navigate the way so that they can find and meet Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray in a moment. And if you're going through those moments of suffering or pain or distress or you're in hardship right now. I want you to pray with me. If you're not going through those moments right now. But you know of people who are. People who are going through pain. People who are suffering. People who are going through hardship. I want your thoughts to go towards them right now. And pray that they will be able to rise above the pain. And become more like Jesus. So Father God.